Welcome to Series 2 of The Big Beatles Sort Out. In the first series, I, author and musician Gary Abbott, ranked all the Beatles core catalogue releases with the help of my Beatles expert brother Paul. In Series 2, we've already looked at the anthology, the songs they gave away, and live at the BBC. So join us now as we sort out the Beatles movies. Welcome to Episode 60, and welcome to Paul Through the Night, Abbott. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, episode sixty, Paul. That's a kind. That's of, a good number, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's it's not really a land. It's a nice round number, I guess. Yeah, that's very satisfying. Yes, so uh, very good. Um, don't forget, you can follow us at big underscore sort on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at bigbeetlesortout at gmail dot com. And please like and share our posts and tell everyone in the world about us all the time. Everyone, everybody, um, Paul. Yes, we're coming to the end of our little run of movies here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might have a little break after this for a little while because we're going on our holidays. We are. Yes. And so is there anything you'd like to tell the folks about for one last time for a, for a few weeks at least? Well, I thought I'd uh, do a report on the Beatlesy thing that I did the other week, mm-hmm. last week, mm-hmm. in fact. I mentioned it on our Twitter feed as a, uh, that I'd done, gone and done a little Beatlesy thing one Tuesday evening. Oh, yes. Was, it, ah, was yes. it a week ago? It was. It was exactly a week ago, mm. appropriately. And I can now reveal exclusively what yeah. that Beatlesy thing was. What was it? So, anyway, I got invited, or I didn't get invited, I got a ticket through an invitation through a friend mm. to go to Birkenhead, everybody. Now, Birkenhead is the other side of the water in Liverpool, but there a there's a little rehearsal studio set up called Love Live Studios is run by the family of a friend very close friend of mine and they were having an event with a guy called gary astridge oh i thought now some people another gary i thought he was gonna say just gonna say me then and completely confuse me but no gary astridge a one a one r gary from america okay a gary okay yeah yeah and so the reason i went was because gary astridge is ringo's drum curator Mm mm-hmm so he came and he gave a talk. He does a website, or he started a website called Ringo's Beatles Kits. Sorry, let me get this exactly right. Ringo'sBeetleKits.com. Mm. And if you go on there, you've got basically the breakdown of every kit that Ringo used in nerdy drummer detail. Mm. Now, I'm not a nerdy drummer, but, you know, there's a lot in there that would be of interest to, to anyone drumming, and it's certainly anyone who's trying to get replica kits and things and it's got yeah. all the stuff about the different types of drum heads and things like that where they come from but the amazing thing is that he started out doing that just classifying as a as a beatles fan and a, a guy who became a drummer from having seen the beatles mm. on the ed sullivan show as so many folks did in america that at some point there was a display going to be done of one of ringo's kits and ringo had given a kit i think it might have been the rock and roll hall of fame possibly i don't want to step on his story go mm. and look it up on the drum kit the drum kit the internet. <laughs> I get confused. Go and look it up on your drum kit, see if it just appears in the skins. But, yeah, so, and the, and the people then sort of going, well, we're trying to get this authentic and get it right, and every everywhere we look for information takes us back to your website. Hmm. So they got hold of him hmm. and basically invited him to come and sort out Ringo's drums for display and for, uh, and because they'd never been classified, never been looked after, never been... I mean, they'd been looked after in the sense that they were stored. Yeah. But they'd not been checked. There's arch- no archivist kind of. No. And so he's become them. the drum archivist yeah. for Ringo, the most famous drummer there's ever been. You see, dreams come true. Yeah. 
And it's not like he's constantly there at Ringo's side all the time because it's when there tends to be special events. Like, so in an odd way, he was called to put a kit together for when Ringo was sending one to auction. Mm. You know, one of his Beatles drum kits went to auction. Yeah. Things like that. But he was called to make sure it was set up correctly, make sure all the hardware's right. Um, all that sort of stuff. Restore it, make sure things are okay. Cool. And he's done an amazing job. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, very friendly. Did a great talk. And um, even if you're not a, a mad nerd on the specifications of drums, and even more than guitars, it can get ludicrously detailed because it, unlike guitars and guitar pedals and things like that and guitar strings... Mm. Very often with drums, what you're coming down to is what type of screw fixing was there on this particular thing? Was that 22 inches or 20 <laughs> inches? Was that 18? You know, that sort of Line. stuff. Yeah, the metal but, metal work nerds. <laughs> yeah, in in very many ways, yes. Yeah. But if you go to ringosbeetlekits.com, yeah. you can see a lot of this story, lots of great photos. It's um, it's really exciting. And, and he's a guy who's be, a fan who has become yeah. in a... Not, I wouldn't say an exalted position, I'm sure he wouldn't, but a very unique position. Oh, yeah, no, well, and so he spent time with Ringo, he's talked to Ringo. Yeah. Ringo has sort of signed off on, you know, featuring his image on this on the poster for this guy and uh, that you can buy and stuff like that. So it's, it was really, really interesting. And the lovely thing was I got to do it in a, in a, a family f- friend's studio mm. in essentially Liverpool, in Birkenhead. And, and it was only about 20 people there. Cool. And then I got to play a um, 60th anniversary cavern bass, which was worth nearly £3,000 and made me feel sick while I was touching it. <laughs> a 60th anniversary cavern bass? Yeah. So is that just part of... Like, the- a, like a replica of the of McCartney's bass done yeah. in, a, in a limited edition run for oh, the 60th okay. anniversary sort of thing. Yeah. Lovely. So, so it was. I had a very interesting Beatles evening last Tuesday. Yeah, I'm recording this. And but one step removed from the man himself, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. So that's that's really cool. And yeah, if anyone's great. interested, I've started a website called www.paulmccartneysloveliebases.com. And <laughs> if he wants to come and check in with that, and no, I I, I wouldn't know where to start. But um, but it's a great story for from his point of view. It, it, it it's. It's like a fairy tale for you know to to be a, a mega fan with your own website and become and then be made official. You yes, know, absolutely. The, yeah, it's brilliant. That's, Dreams that's, can still come true. Yeah, but not that one because someone's claimed that. It's one. done. Yeah, that, yeah that, don't, that. <laughs> don't try and set up a rival Ringo's drum website. Oh, what I a don't cool, know who to choose. <laughs> what what a cool thing. Um, so yeah, I it was expect great. now it was with, great. with your new it was lovely. Um, your new connections to him, Paul, that we'll have Ringo on the podcast come series three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's doing every episode. He insists on it. Brilliant. Oh, I'll have to go back and check all the times. I've not said anything. Oh, it's always been good about Ringo, I'm sure. I think Ringo comes off pretty damn good in most of this. Yes, it certainly does. And will he in this next film? We'll see. Well. Um, is there anything of your own you want to, to, to plug? or we, we, No, we... I'm bored of plugging things. Get on with okay, it. Okay, and me. Let's carry on. So, Paul, a bit more of you, though, because we must have it uh, on this Beatles Day, which is the 18th of April. Well, I've picked one of the uh, newspaper articles that was published on the 18th of April, 1968. Okay. And this is from the uh, from Don Short's Discs in the Daily Mirror mm. on the 18th of April, 68. And the reason I've picked it is because it's essentially post-India. Okay. 
So we're post-India, we're pre-White Album. They're essentially about to start working on the on the White Album. But what's most interesting about it is, uh, I mentioned, I think, when we were talking about Magical Mystery Tour, how the press was really, like, looking at them funny because they were going off to India. Yeah, yeah. And supposedly going to pay for a golden temple to be built. Yeah, yeah. And the headline for this is, Back to work and never mind the temple, says Lennon. Right. Uh, yeah, John, Paul and Ringo are back in Britain. George was still out on his travels around India. Yeah. John's saying we're still, you know, in favour of meditation, but we're not going to go potty and build a golden temple in the Himalayas. We will help where and when we can. We can't do everything overnight. Hmm. Okay. And then basically what I think is interesting, though, is uh, this week, John, Paul and Ringo tumbled through the swing doors of their new West End offices, bubbling with plans to go ahead with their long-awaited third film, shelved for more than two years. Right. So they're not talking about Yellow Submarine here. They're talking about making an actual third film, and obviously people who have been listening to uh, the Nothing Is Real episode, which I've mentioned a couple of times, about the Beatles' third film. Mm. It's interesting that that was still sort of on the horizon to the point where John was saying it to the press. You know, saying stuff... The third proper film type of thing. Yeah, like like what would have been a narrative film, presumably. John's saying, we're practically settled on a script at last, and we are now looking for a director. For the Beatles, after their much-criticised television show, Magical Mystery Tour, have wisely decided not to make, again, the same mistake of going it alone. This is a bigger project, explained John, and we'll need a few hands and heads to help us out. The script, plot and title are top secret until the official announcement in a week or two, but it seems that the Beatles aim to lose their identity this time and take character parts. Hmm. Yes, you could say that, grinned John, but they don't, and it doesn't happen. And the next film we get is a film called Yellow Submarine, and the film after that is a film called... Let it be. Which all ties in. That's it. Brilliant. Well then, let let's let it be then. And let it be, lad. Get on with it. Um so this is the last of our film run we've done. You know, this is our this is the fifth film. Yep. Included which included the Magical Mystery Tour and um Yellow Submarine. And we are on to the last one. Uh, let it be. And just a reminder of some categories that are going to be very hard to get to work this time round. <laughs> the scoring has been against plot, against oh dear. dialogue slash oh script, against production, against performances of the people in the film, um, and then an average of the song score. So we're gonna. We've always known this was going to be one that's going to be interesting. Well, it's, it's also. We are in a post-get-back world. We yes. have to say that up front, don't we? I mean, it's impossible now to watch Let It Be without get having back, watched yeah. Get Back and knowing what we know about that. And I think it really does cast a new light on Let It Be in different ways. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it definitely does. And um, I, d- I think we're going to struggle not to mention it. It's interesting, though, if we'd have made this, if we'd have just started this podcast three months earlier and we were yeah, at this yeah. stage, we would be talking about this, it would be a completely different conversation, wouldn't it? Because you haven't seen this until recently. No, this you? is so only you, the second you've time. You've seen this yeah. post-Get Back, haven't you? I've seen this pre-Get Back a long oh, time right. ago via bits of clips on YouTube I had to kind of piece together. Okay. And that's and it, it didn't feel like there was no... It didn't have that continuity of watching a film, I think. You know, it was just... Because you can't get hold of it, you know. And then um, yeah. I've watched it for this, you know, on a, on a version post-Get Back. So I don't really... You can almost discount the first time watching it. I'd almost forgotten everything about it. 
Yeah, if you didn't watch it through continuously, it doesn't count. No, so yes, pretty much. I've only ever watched this in a post-get-back world, but I'm aware of lots of the footagey bits from the general world of the Beatles. You have yeah. to see the rooftop. Because it features things. in the anthology and things like that. Yeah. So let's listen to a little trailer as it has become custom. The Beatles. Rehearsing, recording, rapping, relaxing, philosophizing, creating. The Beatles. Live in a new motion picture. Let it be. Let it be. Yeah, so the trailer for this is, is, is kind of very, very serious. The, the one that I, I should have just played is very much like The Beatles in the new film. Kind of, we're not going to tell you much about what it's about. Because it's, yeah. it's very much just, well, it's just them playing. So, so that's the, um, I, I am interested as to how much context people would have got from the film kind of marketing could you give us a bit of background on this release and everything Paul because that's I'm completely in the dark about how this actually went out and was introduced to the masses and what really well, happened because it's buried a bit isn't it so oh totally totally yeah. and well the simple fact is we're dealing with a film in 1970 the year that the Beatles officially break up yeah okay well, not only the year that they officially break up it's this film comes out after they officially break up right so it's described on most of the posters and things as an intimate bioscopic experience with the Beatles. Right. First time you've had the extended time showing them working stuff out, working together, creating new material. It comes out in America first on the 13th of May, 1970. It comes out a week later, 20th of May, 1970, in the UK, okay. where they have a northern premiere at the Liverpool Gaumont Cinema, and they have a London premiere at the London Pavilion. Right. And this is shortly after the release of the album. So the songs might have been familiar to people before going into this. Okay. Which might have been baffling, given that they sound so different to how they're presented in the film. Yeah. So the album's come out in... Uh, the album, the, the Phil spector album. Yeah. Has the reproduced album by Phil Spector comes out on the 8th of May in the UK. Okay. So what, in do, America, it does come out after it, but... Uh, when was yeah. the official We've Broken Up announcement kind of... Well, I'll tell you. Okay. So let me give you the timeline give for this. Give us the this. timeline, yeah. So we know, people know pretty well, that this was filmed on the, between the 2nd of January 1969 and the 31st of January 1969 with that rooftop gig yeah. on the 30th. So it languishes. Post-filming, it languishes. Mm. The Beatles see a long rough cut of it, about a two and a half hour long rough cut, keeping in mind that this film's only about 80 minutes long. Mm-hmm on the 20th of July, 1969. And then by all accounts, they reduced the amount of John and Yoko content. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean, there's no... You know, that's that's what the director, Michael Lindsay Hogg, said, basically, to refocus it onto, onto the Beatles. Hmm. But you have to also keep in mind that the first sort of official thing to do with Alan Klein, hmm. he is appointed Beatles manager all bar the signing of the contract, on the 3rd of February 1969. So we are now in an Alan Klein era. We're in a Paul doesn't want him era. Mm. And what we get is, <clears throat> for instance, on April the 10th, 1970, mm. so we know what happens after after the film Let It Be. They go off and make Abbey Road. Yeah. And then we get... Beatle Paul goes it alone, says one of the newspapers on April the 10th, 1970. Mm. 
Paul McCartney has no future plans to record or appear with the Beatles. He is expected to make the announcement in a statement today. Last night, there were reports that he was quitting the Beatles, but Mavis Smith, representative of Apple, the Beatles organisation, said Paul is definitely not quitting. The story that he's leaving is based falsely on a statement which will be made today by Paul in the form of answers to questions. It is in advance of the Beatles' new LP, Let It Be. Mm. So they try briefly to essentially cover up it's not much of an attempt to cover up that Paul's leaving because when McCartney comes out, it includes this press release mm. where he has basically said, I won't be writing with John again. I can't see myself performing with. And you yeah. can look that up all online. It's all the text of that's there. It's very well known. Right. And so, although legally they're not dissolved, it's the end of the Beatles. Yeah. So that, that's April. And then the film comes out in May. So suddenly you are watching the film of a band that essentially doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I take it no one attended who attended the premiere. Do we know? No, not, none of them. None of them. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Right. So then we've got the publicity machine of a kind of a, a lot the the surrounding entities of the Beatles kind of legal and financial vehicle, but without the the coherency of there being any Beatles in the middle of it all. Hmm. Presumably, they're still. Apple and publishers and people wanting to do something with all this. Oh, yes. So, but the Beatles knew, were they all lined up? Had had that not happened, they were all lined up for the release of this film. This has not been kind of put out after they've dissolved because they're no longer there to have a say on it. Or were they were they all signed off on it? No, I think thing? they ended up, obviously they had to sign it off, but yeah. obviously Alan Klein knew that it was something that needed to come out. Right. Um they probably had... I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I've done all the background research into the actual yeah. details for Let It Be because it, that sort of quite hard to get from, you know, essentially quite quick research that we're doing yeah. compared to the people who do proper full research into yeah, no. releases and contracts and things like that. But obviously these things have to come out, especially if they've, you know, they need to pay people for making it. Yeah. They, need to, they need to pay people for distributing it. Um, and... Right. Yeah, it's... <sighs> It's a tricky thing, really, I think. If the announcement that they were not a group anymore had come after it, I think it would have been viewed very differently. Yeah. But by the time it was shown, everyone knew that they were no longer a going yeah. concern. No matter, hope in your heart that they would get back together, yeah. as I'm sure many people had. But everyone really knew. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't go... And I think because it's made in that feeling that vibe uh, of unhappiness mm. you read more into it knowing that than perhaps is actually there yes yeah that's what we'll get on to i think because when they were filming it they weren't well there obviously was um tension no, just, going on. just keep remembering what you're talking about are you talking about get back exactly you're talking about let exactly. it be this exactly. is why it's going to be quite tricky so okay um well, before we attempt to get, get talk about the plot, <laughs> can you? What did it? How was it received? Just generally in broad terms by the audiences, was it attended much? And did did people? You know, did do you you've got much on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one, really. I've got just two or three. I sometimes do these at the end, but I might as well mention them now. Uh, I've got two or three newspaper clippings from the period from after the film comes out. Mm. And I'll give you the sort of headlines. You have something like Sunday Mirror on May the 17th, 1970. Jack Bentley previews the film of the breakup and the big headline is Death Watch Beatles. Nice. 
Which is a good headline. Mm. Uh, and it opens with the line, The film is called Let It Be, but after a sneak preview, I suggest a better title might be The Decline and Fall of the Beatles. Right. Apart from a punch-up between John and George lost in the cutting room, it's all there. And actually, we know now from Get It Be that there wasn't a punch-up yeah. between John and George, and there's and a huge sequence where, they're, where they're, they're talking about that. Yeah. And the, there's no... It's not the decline of the Beatles. We'll get on to that anyway. We'll yeah. get on to that. Again, context. They had a different yeah. context of time and things going on. Um, it's not a particularly great review, that one from Jack Bentley. Mm. But then we have a headline on the Daily Mirror on the May of the 19th, 1970, mm. which is like, it's like they've time hasn't passed since 1964. Mm. And the headline is, yeah, yeah, a hit. <laughs> the Beatles' new film by Dick Richards. Dick Richards? Which is a... Well, it's just that's, that means that person's name is Richard Richards. Right. Oh, sorry. That's the, what, that's the name of the person writing the article. Yes. I thought you, I thought you were saying the film was by Dick Richards. No, 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 <laughs> no. It is not by Richard Richards. Richard Richards. Yes. Uh, and, it's, and it opens with the thing. Maybe I'm a bit of a square, but I still get a kick out of the Beatles' music at its best. And it's certainly not for me to referee their alleged personal and professional squabbles. There we go. Alleged. He sees. He's put mm. that in. But the tensions certainly show in their new film. Let it be. Not till they get together in an alfresco show on the roof of their London office do these musical tycoons seem to be having much fun. Then suddenly things click and their personal enjoyment bounces off the screen. It's, uh... Even those who who think the group may be slipping, it ends. Well, even on this rather untidy take-it-or-leave-it showing, have to admit there are a few other pop combinations to touch them. Fair enough. Yeah, and then in Cecil Wilson in the Daily Mail of May 19, 1970, uh, says with his headline, I prefer cooked beetles to these raw ingredients. (laughs) What a clever headline. (laughs) Why bother to think up a story and write a film script for the Beatles when you can just as easily please their fans, if no one else, by sticking a camera and a microphone in front of them as they compose, rehearse and perform their songs? Well, actually, what all he's done there is say what the basic concept for the film, yeah. film is, you know. Yeah. Because in in theory, that as a as a concept is yeah is amazing. Yeah, he's not he's not yeah. But he's trying to say that's just rubbish. But then his little thing ends with an air of smugness pervades the whole picture. But then I suppose I would feel smug if my songs made me a millionaire. Well, <laughs> I, I suppose you would. Yeah, Cecil. But it's interesting that there's two references to like tycoons, millionaires throughout all that yeah. stuff. He's trying to it, say that point they're indulgent. That... He's talking. He's trying to yeah. quick, you know, paint them as being self-indulgent millionaires, not, yeah. not to be um, pitied or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Well, it's it, it's yeah. Well, 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 okay. With that in mind, let's mm-hmm. see what what we what I think, especially. Um, trying to start with the category. So it's going to be hard. we start with plot. It's going to be kind of round hole, square peg type of stuff, this, a bit. Although, a good documentary should still tell a story, shouldn't it? And so... Yes. However, like you've said, it's going to be hard not just to want to talk about this in comparison to get back, which is going to be very, very pervasive of all my thinking about this. But we don't live in a vacuum, so it's going to be exactly what I'm going to have to do a bit because it'll help me to frame what we do get rather than what we didn't get, you know, now we know what was actually on offer. You yeah, know, we have that very unique perspective. Important. Yeah, because we, we, we wouldn't have known before, so we could have thought, well, this is the only usable stuff. But we realise now, 
no, no, this was a very well, deliberate course. We've gone from seeing the selected 80 minutes, hour and 20 minutes of material, to seeing eight hours of rushes, essentially. Yeah. Uh, knowing that there are still another 40-odd hours of stuff yeah, there. there's even more there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's mad, yeah. So, so, so when the, because when it comes to plot, get back had one thing in in spades that this this doesn't which is context yes because get back is being pieced together even with its nine hours running time it has a through line it has the idea of the finale to the project it has the project itself up front it has a ticking clock, which it, is yeah. a, something you need for suspense. It has the, yeah, has the, it has the... Even if they just keep resetting the clock when they get confused about what they're doing. It has a caption at the beginning saying, this is what, what they are doing now. This is a project that they're doing. They, they are filming a TV special. This is something with some, you know, and we are filming everything. And, 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 and within it, it also has the departure and return of George, the, the tensions and joy in the group beyond one small argument. You know, it it has a lot more body language and dialogue. This is get back. I'm saying then let it be has. What let it be does, however, is presume I'm guessing that you just the context of that kind of it's a beetle bio. What do you call it? A bioscopic bioscopic, bioscopic experience. Yeah, it, yeah, that that should be enough for you to go into the cinema, or into the theatre and watch this and understand that's what you're watching. Whereas mm. actually, it's it is a, a a funny con. It's a it's a funny concept because there's more going on. If there was just like um, and if they had just been not being happy and and everything was fine, it might have been a different type of interesting. But without <laughs> explaining some of the kind of strange change in location halfway through and why they end up on a roof. You just, it doesn't have that, it doesn't carry that context and story with it at all, does it? It's a bit... No, it doesn't. There's no chronological context. Yeah. And as we know now, a lot of stuff's presented in various orders. So like the, the final day's filming is now presented before the, in, in Let, Let It Be is presented before the rooftop concert. Mm. Um, so the rooftop concert plays out as a third. It's, I mean, it's arranged as three acts, Twickenham, Apple, and then the rooftop. Yeah. But it doesn't have any through line. No, there's nothing to tell you and why. And we don't know why they're there. We don't know what they're doing. No. At we no don't know why we're hearing get... some songs you... in full and some songs in part. And Yeah. Why they're just jamming stuff about. Yeah. You, you... Who any of the people are around them. Yeah. Why? It just doesn't have any... So there's there's just little to no dialogue. And actually, I really didn't realise to watching this again how much how how little actual chatter is in this. Yeah. It's very... There's barely anything so there's just no real explanation he's gone so minimal cut so hard around the what we now know are the interesting bits that we're just left with the Beatles rehearsing in Twickenham uh, for some reason then rehearsing in an apple for some reason and then playing on a roof except some, we don't know that because they don't tell you that they're in Twickenham no you just we they just, don't tell you that again, they're in apple yeah we, we know that <laughs> and then at some point a man appears and starts playing keyboards and no one mentions it <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's just suddenly they're a the fifth Beatles no one doesn't even Warrant to mention is just there now. That's like there's a is there a Mr. Show sketch or a with Bob and David sketch about uh, the fifth Beatle that Yeah, that no one ever knew. The knows. fifth Beatle dies, no one ever knew that he was there yeah. in the first place. And it's a bit it's a bit like that for Billy Preston Absolutely. in this one, isn't it? Yeah. It's like he's just suddenly there in the band and then 
That's it. Then what? So it's really strange that Lindsay Hogg had the wherewithal to film so much. He had this. He's got. He's kind of really. He's. He's. He's got, he's got this real strange dichotomy to the fact that he had this very forward-thinking approach to filming everything he could, but for some reason, not the final vision to cut something together with more coherency. Well, you know, it's not for us particularly to say, but I think there is a lot of pressure from the Beatles and particularly Alan Klein to say, don't mess up their image too much. Yeah. But I, I think they could have really enhanced their image. Yeah. You know, careful choice would have made them could have made them look if, absolutely like they were having the best time in the world. But clearly they, they didn't want that either. Yeah, because then he did leave some bits in that it was just enough, not much, to, nowhere near enough to warrant the kind of death knoll of the Beatles type of headlines it's like there's a little bit of stuff that shows that there was tensions and arguments going on I, sing it to you? I, I don't i don't i don't care if you don't want it on your show i don't care <laughs> <laughs> musical. but it's it's barely there and it's barely audible so yeah, yeah it, it, it so mainly it's it makes sure that it hits every single song gets it's it's you know it's airing to the point where he just lines up those those three that they do, you know, Long and Winding Road and Two of Us and um, Let That's It Be it. are just kind of presented more as videos, really, and the, the rooftop. But everything before that, it's, it, it skirts around everything more than anything. So it's it lacks context it's, it, or, or direction of travel, and therefore really anything you could possibly hold on to as a plot, unless you're coming at it with retrospective eyes, which wasn't what it was meant to be. So... no. I find it's funny that it's been earmarked as the story of the breakup of the Beatles because it's so slight and so cut down. It could that could easily pass you by if they hadn't broken up. You wouldn't even. You might have gone. Oh, they're having a bad day that day, or oh, Paul and George sometimes have a bit of. But you wouldn't be going. Look at this. Yeah, they're on each other's throats. It's just not like that. It just doesn't come across like that. It, I always hear myself annoying you. <laughs> you don't annoy me. I'll play what you want me to play. I won't play at all. Whatever will please you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> It's not like that at it's all. It's not like that, no. In I fact, enjoyed doing that. It's way. more like... <laughs> Which without the um, the clarity of the audio kind of... Um, well, we were also watching a really rubbish well, yeah, rip of it. There's no alternative, is there? Because there's Not really, yeah. no. But anyway, so without getting into the overall value of the film, but I do think this speaks to its relative obscurity in, its, in the legend, I'm going to have to give it a... a, a 20 for plot because it has something resembling an ending yeah i think that's all you can do but you are right you know a good documentary and i'm sure this i don't think it's michael Lindsay hogg's fault really mm. in the end at the end of the day or or the fault of, of tony lenny who edited it with him yeah it, it, they ended up with a job to do yeah that didn't resemble anything like what they expected to have done yeah he did all and that so any work. anything he would have done to have put a a, a story in there just hasn't come across no and that, fortunately for peter jackson he he has the benefit of yeah of doing it in a different way at a different time and peter jackson has i mean there would have been no question of a nine and a half hour edit or whatever it was there's just would no. never have happened so to be fair get even get back to some people's eyes may leave them cold of any real progression but you do get enough context where if you're gonna if you're happy to sit through nine hours there is an overall yeah, you, you know, get jeopardy in, in story to be told and yeah. stuff like that. You don't get any jeopardy in this. No, not at all. Anyway, we've said all that. It gets Go twenty on, for plot. Twenty. <sighs> aye, aye, aye. Because it does, you know. No, no, yeah. I'm... 
So production then. So production. We should have more to say here. And if there's one thing the production of this does very well, it's make you realise just how much work went into the restoration and enhancement of the get back footage. <laughs> yeah. It's um, Which is why it's such a swine that we still don't know that we're going to get Let It Be. Yeah, in remastered form because they have remastered let it be they'd remastered that before peter jackson got his hands on the material right you know it kept sort of about to be coming out okay and then not and uh, yeah and yeah. now it's now they can easily reconstruct it they've got loads of extras all that stuff. we've talked about this anyway we've talked about that on get back yeah i mean it's, so it's, it's hard to judge to a point because i don't know really how big a difference so you know you've lent me or given me a a copy of this, a digital copy of this, shall we say? Yes. And and it's grainy, dark, blurry, and not great. You know, quality-wise, it doesn't doesn't. I mean, it may be completely spoiled by just how good the restoration is. Well, but it was a big restoration on it for Get Back, and you have to remember as well, though, that the original was shot in such a strange way, and then was cropped and recropped for different yeah. releases because it had a couple of commercial releases. Yeah. And yet, you know, including Laserdisc at one point. Mm. But, you know, then it had been recropped and rescanned and repanned and all that sort of stuff yeah. to make it. And so you end up with strange versions of it because they didn't think about what it was. Because they thought they were making a TV show, so they didn't get filmmaking equipment. No. So, yeah, exactly. So it's a strange thing that you. Or didn't shoot on on the correct film. The kind of film you would have done if it was going yeah. for that. Yeah. So, because. Yeah, you just kind of get back showed with the right treatment that's now available, all then many years later, that there was a kind of a a vivid beauty to both lo both well all three of the main locations, so we say. Yeah. Um, with the lens kind of misses in this edit and with this quality of post production. So from a post from a production point of view, it's hard for us to judge what it would have looked like at the cinema. But I can't imagine it would have looked too much more zingy than it does on a high quality tv nowadays it's hard to tell because it's it, it, it's got a very i think we have to remember as well get get back has been really pumped up yeah exactly i mean really to the nth degree um and especially as he's sort of overcompensated for the twickenham material yeah which is a shame because i like it when they get that sort of um what they call it the big the big backdrop the cyclorama yeah and light it with the sort of the greens and the purples things like that it's very nice and subtle and then lends a sort of a color tone to the to the project yeah but then it, it also because of the the roominess of the space and this is production both then and now due on what they chose to how they chose to set it up it just it kind of saps any color out of the focus of the camera Really, yeah. everything feels and we, great and also in front we, of that. We also know that a lot of the time, like so, for the section with the argument, argument, the, 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 he's yeah. he's pulled the cameras right back, and they've had to zoom, so everything looks strange. Yeah, in order to try and get what he wants. Yeah, you know, a, a good technique from a documentary maker, but not with necessarily the equipment to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard because I, we know now, as we you know, or we now know from get back that it wasn't really his fault that they were have to keep on changing they changed the location and they you know but we'll we'll it'll pick up points for the rooftop though because be it in this or get back whether it was engineered out of pure laziness or not they managed to come up with a moment in history yeah not just rock and pop history but history full stop and it's a kind of moment that if time travel is ever invented 
and you kind of can auction off a spot somewhere, it would be one of the prime locations in time that people would go and, you know, if you pay enough, you only if you don't pay too much, you get to sit on the street and listen to it. You know, otherwise, you could be that man in the background with his pipe and his hat, just kind of looking. Mm. You know, my favourite. Yeah, someone who's paid um that that's someone who's paid billions of um. He's space like the dollars. Elon Musk of time travel yeah. or something like that, and has uh, decided to go back to then. They, they they auctioned off the third rooftop along kind of thing, and you know they were able to. Oh, Gary, the sad thing is uh, that w- that would happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would so happen. It, it may well already have done, but I oh, mean, no. it's. No wonder everything's shit. <laughs> but it's no mean feat, even though it was done out of laziness, uh, you know, to get up there on that rooftop and get those angles and to have the foresight to get all the shots from the street, from the rooftops, and to get... Yeah. That that was a really good bit of production that we now know where it's come out of, but regardless of how it came to be, he did a good job of thinking how to capture that. It kind of ended up... Yeah, with t- a- Tony Richmond's um, cinematography, Yeah, I think, is really good. And the camera operators do a good job. The sound guys do a, a difficult job. Yeah. You know, they captured this material that we can then go back to later. Yeah. So, but particularly Tony Richmond, under the watchful eye of Michael Lindsay Hogg, yeah. um, does great work, especially on the roof, where, we, where we know now as well, it wasn't just the cameras on the roof, it was cameras on other roofs. Yeah. Roofs. Yeah. Roofs. Cameras in the lobby. Cameras in lobbies, yeah. You know, people interviewing people on the streets, all that stuff. They didn't leave anything to chance there. Yeah, which is some good foresight. And it also ends up with this strange overall effect of a kind of a an intimate gig because of the closeness of the angles when you're actually with the Beatles and the the, the, the huddle of yeah, people yeah. around them to the whole of the city of London, kind of, you know, yeah. because you get the, the rooftop um, kind of vista, which is such a strange view. It's, it, it's, yeah. You know, no one can really see them bar a handful of people around them, but they're there and they're kind of yeah. It's a it's a it's a historic. It's got to pick up points for that, but that is only a small part of it. Um, and, you know, when it comes to the general notion approach to the filming, trying to be candid and fly on the wall, I think he was onto something. But um, without, without the get back at it, I don't know if we would have thought that if we were having this conversation a year ago, because it didn't reveal as much as we now know it could have done. Um, yeah, so he served us well in that fact, in his kind of, you know, just his volume of footage. But yeah, it's it's still not. It doesn't zing as a film in itself, though. It sits in a strange, you know, like the vividness of the green carpet in the reproduction in the reproduction and the the the, the spaciousness of that warehouse when you've got the depth, the the, the quality that's been added. Without that, it it's all a bit flat. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. It's so strange. It's hard when you've seen the story of the production of this film and get back again. Get back is what this film kind of should have been, kind of, but could, probably could never have been. So I'm going to have to go down the middle with this and give it 50 for production. Okay. Do you think that's fair? I don't have an opinion on it, Gary. It's a <laughs> stupid system that doesn't work anyway. 
It's not like you could say at the end of Let It Be that my thinking is you still don't walk away from it regardless of the content going, but at least it looked nice. Because apart from the rooftop bit, it didn't particularly. Yeah, it, it doesn't particularly. I like, you know, I think it will be great if if and when they do pull it together from the new, from the remastered material. Yeah. I think you'll, you'll, things will pop more. Things will look better. Some of the shot decisions he's decided to leave in for the editing yeah. will make more sense because they'll be more easy to look at. You know, yeah. the sequences where you get to see the full length songs. I mean, there's something you've got to keep in mind. Yeah. In, other than the rooftop concert, and even then, mm, Get Back doesn't have any full length song performances no. in. This does. This does. Which, this Well, this does them all, doesn't it, basically? And I think this is where his hands have been tied with the production, the edit side of the production, is that he's been told, get all the songs from the album in, the biggest versions you can get of them, you know, the most complete versions that are there. And that already eats up most of the film. Yeah, That's, only 80 minutes. So he's not really got much to play with after that. He's kind of... It's, it's and an, yet, I noticed, talking about the songs, of yeah. course, we hear Get Back on the rooftop. Yeah. Nowhere else. no. And what's the thing that people came away from watching the documentary series saying? About the get Back being written out of thin air yeah, is the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And he, that, that missed the um, cuts. But maybe they, maybe they thought by that point, we don't want to be saying we're getting back because we're gone. Mm. We're gone, man. We're gone. Let It Be is a swan song, you know. Yeah. So, let's move on to performances. Another really difficult category. Yeah. So I'm trying to separate out this from get back in my head when I was writing my notes, which I did by focusing on the memories that are in 4K HD rather than the fuzzy ones. So it's so what I did, I got up a script. Luckily, as always, there's some nice person has gone and put a script up on him. Transcribed. A transcription it, yeah. in this case rather than a script. Um, someone's transcribed all of the like the nagra tapes and everything yeah. so it's uh you know you don't want for that sort of stuff and there's just so little talking in this it's absolutely cut to the bone isn't it they're really yeah very very little you could I, probably fit it on mind, one side of a4 in my mind i remember there being more chat yeah and them being funnier you know because as i say i don't think it's anywhere near as dark emotionally as people think it is yeah other than Tetchy now and again. Yeah. But you have fun times with John and Paul doing those weird versions of Two of Us and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of staring down the camera lens looking uh, wistful from McCartney mm. and you have the rooftop. You get a little bit of Heather in there. Yeah. And so you get a bit of silliness and stuff like that. But yeah, there's basically They've no, yeah, there's no Beatle chat. There's no banter, which we know there was. There's not even John saying, ladies and gentlemen, your hosts for this evening, the bottles. Yeah. It's just... Over and over. It's just... It's just. Uh, but by the same token, you don't get to see him hanging his head in a sort of heroin funk, so... True. But, you know, you don't have to have one with the other. <laughs> it's not like, oh, we're best but, balancing out his um, joviality with his... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's drug-addled problems. No, so, but as a performance, it makes it, because, you know, performances have meant in this um, this category have meant not the performances of the songs, they've meant the performances of the people. And the only yeah, real yeah. thing outside of them playing the songs is is what bits of dialogue. So I've tried to kind of um, give a bit of a summary of each person's impression that they give across, as people who knew they were being filmed as well, 
Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so they did know that the camera was on him. So Paul, you know, even in this version, we get that impression of Paul as a reluctant driving force. I think he's, he's, he's quite consistent with how he comes across in both. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a reluctant driving force a bit, but also someone who still likes to be daft in himself. And you get the feeling, well, with that reluctancy that, you know, he'd much rather he didn't have to say, well, can we try it this way or that way? That everyone had a kind of, they had a way of doing things that just isn't in place. Uh, let's just sing, you know, the corny one. Yeah, do just the to get this one. bit, you know, and then we can like, because you see, that's it. That's what, you know, we we make it better as it yeah, goes I on. Mean, but if I we don't, if it doesn't go on, and we're back, you know. So let's. Yeah, no, but let's move, sort of move on now. Um, he does much better in his natural state than trying to act. He's still cool as cucumbers in this. You know, at times. Several cucumbers. Yeah, he's just like in the get in get back to. He's a man who like just breathes music more than anything else. But also the one who does nearly all the talking in this or yeah. the instigating. Not because he's the only one talking, but because that's the way it's been cut. So he talks about the India trip. We get a bit of that, don't we? Yeah. He talks about George being reluctant to do films, which could be seen as being a bit like stirring the pot, the fact that they've shown that bit. He's talking about George, you know, saying he's saying he's saying he won't do films. That's wrong, you know, you know, all that stuff. He talks about them writing one after nine oh nine. First one of the first songs we would ever done. Right, it was the John the Razor when he was fifteen or something. Yeah, it's just we always just sang off every every school day, you know. Go back to my house, and the two of us would just sit there and write, "Love Me Do" and "Too Bad About Sorrows." And there's a lot from there, you know. It's about a hundred. Mm. Songs from then that we never reckoned because they were all very unsophisticated songs. They said our love was just. He's, you know, he's the one say or often saying like, let's do this bit or let's try it that way or let's uncomplicate it or whatnot. It's very Paul heavy when it comes to anyone doing anything that isn't just head down looking at guitar. And he's not actually doing anything wrong. He's just being himself. But it does come across because of the general demeanor of everyone. You know, a bit like he's, you know, the, the most, yeah, in a way, the most antagonistic one, but not really, just because he's kind of like trying to get things going. He, he likes a good reminisce. I like how actually, you think because he's an old man now, that he's and he gets interviewed and he tells the same stories here and there, that he's just obviously at that point. But he actually's always been one for a good reminisce. You can tell. Yeah, from he was time. always look. You know, he was. He's, <laughs> Despite the lot, you know, the death of his mother when he was quite young, he came from a very happy family, quite a big extended yeah. family. So he's he sort of got built-in nostalgia because he's 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 had it since day one. You know, yeah. this is someone who wrote "When I'm 64" when he was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So we get. I think you know, Paul comes across well, but yeah, but it's it's a strange. You know, we just don't get much. John, we get that odd cheeky or daft moment, but nowhere near as much as we get and get back. Queen says no to pot smoking FBI members. He's just, he's more passive than you'd perhaps expect if you'd not seen, the, if this was your first introduction. You know, for people watching it for the first time, they might have thought, oh, because because of, he, he, as we know now from Get Back, he warms up over the, yeah. the length of the thing. But in this movie, we don't get the same sense of that. We get the sense that he could hold his own when leading on his songs. I like it when you see John it's a shame we don't see more of this in either of the films. You don't see enough of John when he is kind of doing across the universe and saying like, like you know, 
let's do this bit, let's do that bit. This, he, he, he's got he's got that same ability of McCartney to say, right, no, let's do this bit here and do that bit. But you just don't see him doing it as much. Should we just try it? We'll just have less of those. Nothing's going to change, Mike. Just have one each time, two at the end. lead as much as Paul kind of thing but he just yeah, doesn't except this part of the problem was he sort of ceded that to, to McCartney and, and yeah. uh, that was part of the problem really yeah I think this film cuts out his strange depth and humour and slight uneasy aggressiveness at times this weirdness that is weirdness that can kind of flit on sit on that line of being funny or a bit like uh, uh, is he being strange with me <laughs> or what you know Mm. And I, that might have been pressure of the edit. I, I, again, maybe. As we know, with his glassy-eyed staring into the camera bits, which can be as funny as they can be disturbing in some ways. Yeah. So we don't get as much of John again as we as he, as he we know he could have been. George, according to this film, George was absolutely fine from start to end, apart from a little bit where he was happy to play whatever Paul wanted him to. <laughs> If you're eagle-eyed, you may pick up on his general lifting in mood in Apple compared to Twickenham. If you've, if you've kind of, but that context is so set by get back, it's hard to unpick it from my brain now. We do hear him being blunt with like, I don't care if they use it. I'll save it for the musical. Well, he uses stronger language than that. But, yeah. you know, you know, and the whole, I'll play whatever bit. But it kind of gives the impression of someone using a passiveness and disinterest as a way of, he's not being open with his discontent. He's just being slightly defensive, slightly defensive and obstructive yeah. and just like, well, I don't care, whatever, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's not exactly the tale of blimey, you know, the tale, the tale of Blimey, I just said then. Not the, the tale t- of Blimey, part one. <laughs> it's not, it's not. In the- which George gets upset. <laughs> yeah, it's hardly, it's hardly, you know. It's not some Shakespearean tragedy. No, it just has a bit of a you like, oh, whatever, you know. I mean, that happens. People, it's, it's nothing like, I was going into this so primed for it to be the cut of what I've now seen at Get Back that, that makes it look like, because you know how Get Back was showed how much joy there was in it and even McCartney and people were saying like himself like oh yeah I, 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 I've I just kind of written that bit of time that time off as being a bad time and watching this new one it was like oh no it wasn't we yeah. were we were still enjoying ourselves bad memories linger annoyingly yeah so much stronger yeah possibly I don't know I'm sure the psychologists could tell you but because of the way you have to sort of steel yourself to cope with them yeah they end up you end up perhaps focusing on them more because yeah. of you're trying to deal with them. Yeah. Whereas you'd hope to be laughing and happy every day, but so you let that go by the by. Yeah. And, so and maybe, also, I suppose if you then go into years of tedious legal wrangling yeah. and someone's saying, well, you would, didn't want to sign with Alan Klein, you're not going to turn around to them and say, yeah, but do you remember we sang that rock and roll song and we all had fun, ha-ha? Yeah, yeah, it's just, just buried under the... The defence rests, Your Honour. 
you know. Yeah, it's. Um, I wonder. If there's also kind of a collective. You know, this predates us, doesn't it? So if there's a collective shared taint on the memory of this film that has made it become like, oh, it's, you know, it came out yeah. just after they split up. You can tell that they're not happy. You're the whole thing. And it's just been collectively labelled as the breakup film. And it actually, yeah. Yeah, objectively, it wasn't. But everyone's just, the people who lived through it, kind of just like, I don't want to watch that again. It was it reminds me of the time when the Beatles broke up, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's bled into our, what we were ex- our expectations as people who were born after it. But um, yeah, you know, George, you can tell he's a bit miffed. But without the whole him leaving the band bit, which they left yeah. out, you don't get that from this film. Um, and then we got Ringo, good old Ringo. Apart from the bags under his eyes, you can't quite tell as much in this just how knackered and hungover he obviously is most of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you this morning? You get much more of a sense of that and get back, but you get the impression of everyone's best mate loyally sticking at whatever they were doing, having a crack at writing some of his own songs. Like and get back. I love the way one of my favourite moments is George smiling, little George smiling at big George when Ringo's playing Octopus's Garden for them. Yeah. And it's not yeah. a that's one of the nicest moments in the in the whole film. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's not especially saying, in this little tiny film. Absolutely, yeah, because he's not saying, "Look, Ringo's trying to write a song." He's saying, "Look, isn't he good?" And he learned another chord. Yeah, and it's nurturing. It's pride, isn't it? It's love. Yeah. So that's that's lovely. So it's great to see Ringo, and he just comes across in that way, being himself, really. Um, but no one else, including Billy Preston, is has enough camera time to warrant a mention. There's no no over impression. You, you basically, of it. don't you don't get anyone else. You see a bit more of Mal because he's there when Heather comes in, and obviously you've seen him playing the Anvil. Yeah. On Maxwell and. And really, that's that's about it. You don't get any of that sort of where the the crew spills over yeah. into the cast, as it were. Yeah, that you do, and obviously, you you barely see the the approach of the policeman. Yeah, no, that's yeah, and they they mix it up a bit so you don't get that feeling of the rank of the policeman as to say, you know you get different policemen yeah. turn up, don't they? At different times, and you kind of. Yeah, you just get that there's vaguely some policemen and you don't get that feeling of how much mal... And you don't get Glyn Johns and all his amazing... Yeah, his you know, coats. you don't get very much of him. You spot him here and there. Yeah. But you tend to that tends to be now a, a looking back as everyone spotted Glyn Johns so much throughout Get Back. Mm. And Michael Lindsay Hogg. Yeah. Is vet, you know, you see him in a couple of backgrounds of scenes. Yeah. That's it. There's not really a supporting cast here. No. It's... um. So performances as characters in a film, it's really hard with this cut. There's just not enough of them in it doing anything but playing, which is, of course, what a larger part of what we want to see, but not what the film was meant to be just be about, I don't think. But the but you know the Beatles are good to spend time with, so this is I'm going to give this the strongest score of seventy for performances because we get some of their personalities in this, and we get to see them 
in a kind of a natural state, still playing and being yeah, creative. Yeah, yeah. So that's fun. But we don't. We now we know that there were better choices to be made as far as what we've got to see of them. So yeah, so seventy for performances. Right now, this is going to be the much. This is going to be the, the <laughs> script. <laughs> script. And now, I was originally going to when we were talked about this. I was going to say, well, this will be the dialogue. You know, I'll, I'll, let's say script slash dialogue. What the, what's said in the film? But as we've just covered. They don't say much. They just really don't say much. You 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 literally can fit what is spoken in this film onto a, a side of A4. The, the, there's not much at all. Um, so if there'd been more, I could have treated the bits they left in kind of as a script, but there's so little. So what are you going to do, Gary? How are you going to deal with this conundrum in which you find yourself? I'm just going to give it 20. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing much else to say, is there? Because... No. Even with Get Back, the dialogue is strange, but there's more of it to create an overall effect of a running series of events and thoughts and feelings. In here, it's brief. To be fair, badly edited, hard to hear and disconnected from the larger event around them, being the film in general. And I think that might be part of the problem. Most of the dialogue that survives into Get Back is about the project and what they're even doing. What are we doing here? What is this? And that's interesting. You can't do that in this because they've made a decision not to mention the fact that they're doing a film in the film itself. Too metaphor, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's mm. a tough one. It is a tough one. So, 24 script. So it just leaves us with this song score then, Paul. Now, at least it's jam-packed with songs. It is. And... But you're not going to be rating Susie Parker because we didn't cover it. No, you know, I, I'm rating awesome. just the ones they play from their core catalogue. So right at the top, we have Across the Universe with 90.3. So leading the charge for the songs in this that really give it some... Yeah, because you like that song a lot. I do. And and then it, that's followed by Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road. I'm, oh, darling. Hmm. I'm giving it it because it needs all the help it can get. It's only barely... It's played slightly, isn't it? Yeah. And then down the bottom end, you've got you've got a few to even it out, unfortunately, because you've got Dig It and and um, For You Blue, which is a great song, but I didn't rate the production of it very well. Um, and Dig A Pony. Which now, like, look, these all these songs, actually, I remember I've reappraised quite a bit since getting the reissue of Let It Back. <laughs> Let It Back. Let It Back. Let It Back. I keep on getting it wrong. Get B. Get, get Behind It Back. And no, <laughs> let it be. Since getting the reissue and everything of Let It Be, I've 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 reappraised some of these songs in my head, but not on the scoring. But anyway, it gets a song average of sixty six, which oh, right. um, is actually the third highest one because it has so many more songs. It's got such so, so much of Abbey Road on it as well, you know. So, well, um, can I tell you, it did win uh, an Oscar. Oh yeah, it won oh, an yeah. Oscar for. Best original song score in 1970. So it was up against uh, something called The Baby Maker, <laughs> A Boy Named Charlie Brown, which will be the animation, um, Darling Lily, music by Henry Mancini, Scrooge, uh, the Leslie Bricure's musical, and Let It Be won. Wow. Now, funnily enough, none of the Beatles turned up to the Oscars ceremony in 1970. Okay. And it was collected on their behalf by Quincy Jones, the music producer. Yeah. 
This is the same man who, in the year 2018, in response to the question, what were your first impressions of the Beatles, was that they were the worst musicians in the world. <laughs> they were no-playing MFers. Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard, and Ringo, don't even talk about it. Right. So, thanks, Quince. That's it. Okay, did he change his mind, though? Did... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Presuming he did. I don't know why they sent him to pick it up. But, yeah. uh... Okay, so... Um... Yeah, it's a good song track. I mean, this it, it, it's got it's it's a delivery mechanism for the songs. It's what it's ended up being. That's part of the problem why I think that it hasn't really worked. Cause I don't think that's really what the film should have been in an eighty-minute context. No, um, I think that's it should have been a condensed version of what they did. We get it, but get get it back. Get <laughs> it back. He's still at it. I'm getting let it be and get back mixed up. Yes, get back. But anyway, um, yes, yeah, a great soundtrack does well there. Overall, though, it gets 45.2, which gives us our final movie chart. Lay it on me, brother. At number five, with an overall of 45.2, let it be. At number four, with 49.8, Magical Mystery Tour. At number three, with 68.7, it's Help. And at number two, with 76.7, it's Hard Day's Night. And at number one, with a mighty 87.9, it's Yellow Submarine. Right, interesting. The movies have been sorted. Yes, they have. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if. Um, I think no, I think it makes sense. I think that's just about right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I've got. I think I've got. This I wouldn't. Right. Uh, for me, I wouldn't ever have Yellow Submarine above Help or a Hard Day's Night. Oh right, okay. But um, you know, it's your system. Yeah. In it, I think as we've f- ascertained that much over the years. <laughs> it's definitely mice. Oh yeah. This doesn't mean everyone has to go out and rearrange their their DVD collection, um, but please do. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I I think I'm quite happy with that. I think I, as well. I, I, when you look at an overall, how well does it work as a film? The, a commercial release of a film that's meant to do all the things that films do. I think that's about the right order. Yeah, and if if Let It Be does come out in a remastered edition, yes, as they're still sort of you know we don't know whether it will or won't. I suspect not, but uh, mm. um, then we will redo it. Yeah. I think, because I think that would only be fair to given that we've been doing a lot of, oh, I've just watched that on Blu-ray. Oh, I've just watched that on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah the other ones have all had the benefit of um, the kind of more or less the best versions I could get my hands on, I think. Yeah, This totally. doesn't have a benefit of that, but it does have the benefit of being a small version of, of a nine and a half hour epic that's come out this year, which if you put that in this ranking would blow it apart and I don't know in what way but it would definitely sit somewhere higher <laughs> I think you know yeah. but but it's it's a completely different it's not even a film it's not a, it's not a film is it it's it's a it's a docu-series and that's a different thing yeah that'd be like putting the anthology on here which I did rewatch again recently as well and that could do with a remaster Oh, yeah, well, I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah. I, def- I definitely could. Okay, well, it's been nice though. I'm, I'm really happy to have done the films. It's been fun. It's been an, it's a good been a good five or so weeks spending time with the with them on screen. Yeah, and um, I think what we shall do, Paul, is go we'll have a little break. We'll go. Oh, that'd be nice. Go on holiday, and mm-hmm. then we'll do a couple of. Odd bits, I think. We've got a couple of things to round off this series, I think. Yeah, a couple of odds and sods. And then we'll probably have a bit of a break whilst we think about 
a season series three, three. Mm. which we have ideas for but we shall keep under our hats for now our hats which say kiss me quick and other such seaside phrases for going on holiday in uh, yes <laughs> okay well we're going th- to the seaside everyone we're going to the seaside and i bet you're jealous <laughs> Yeah, we haven't told them what seaside we're going to. No, it'll be freezing cold. Yeah. Okay, well, um, thanks again. We'll see you all soon. We'll be back in a couple of weeks or so. And thanks very much for listening. And bye-bye. Let it be, dolls. All right, lads. That's enough. Got a bloody day.